0: Welcome to the Nintendo Fusion podcast, a podcast that fuses past, present, and future Nintendo thought. I'm David, accompanied by my friend Jordan.
1: This week, we're going retro with one of our favorite games, Banjo-Kazooie.
0: Yay! I love Banjo-Kazooie a lot, and I know Jordan does too. Obviously, it's one of our favorites. I am a huge Banjo fan. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good, and we'll get into exactly why we love it. But the reason that we're Bringing this up now has to do a lot with the fact that Nintendo doesn't really have any news going on for them right now. I mean, technically, I guess we got an announcement of some new Mario Kart tracks uh, this morning. But uh, since it's not out yet, we'll talk about that at a later date. And uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 launches, I guess, tonight (laughs) as of this recording. But that's on our docket for the next episode. So to kind of fill in the space, we figured it would be a good idea to talk about Banjo. Isn't that right, Jordan?
1: Yeah, Uh, we wanted to do some retro game. We decided to do something on the Nintendo Switch online. So that way it's something that a lot of reviewers have access to at the moment. Um, And we decided to go with one of our favorites, which is Banjo.
0: Banjo is so good. (laughs) Jordan, when was the first time that you played Banjo? Do you remember?
1: Yeah, uh, I was (laughs) quite young. Uh, So I originally got an N64 with Ocarina of Time way back in the day. So it would have been a bit after that um i don't know when banjo came out was it like i was banjo before ocarina time because ocarina time was 98 uh it was released in 1998 okay so it would have been around that same year um so it would have been a bit after that because i did get it used um i never got games new as a kid i always got them cheaper used (laughs) and it didn't take very long back in the day i remember for games to show up in like the five dollar bin at game crazy so um but yeah just uh picked it up on a whim I had a bear on it, it seemed interesting <laughs> that was about all the knowledge i had going into the game um that's a
0: nifty looking bear and bird that sounds cool
1: <laughs> yeah uh and immediately just fell in love it's just a it banjo reminds me of point and click adventures without being a point and click adventure i feel like it is obviously a 3D platformer, but it's not as heavy into the 3D platforming elements like say Mario is. And it's more in the adventure side and has a lot of like puzzle mechanics and like story bits or whatever. And the humor that you would expect out of a point and click adventure game.
0: Right. There's a ton of dialogue and pretty much anything that you can interact with in the game talks to you. Like it has its own unique little voice sound that it has. It, uh, You know, a lot of these weird objects that you deal with have eyeballs and they'll actually interact with you somewhat and talk to you. And it's honestly just incredibly charming. And you're right. It is very much like those old point and click adventures.
1: So (laughs) phenomenal game. Um, That was pretty much where I started playing. Uh, I actually played Banjo before Super Mario 64. And because of that, Banjo had always kind of like tainted Mario 64 for me because I never understood why in Mario 64 it kicked you out of the level every time you got a star. I just wanted to keep exploring in the world like Banjo-Kazooie allowed you to do.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and see, it's kind of the opposite experience for me. Uh, We never really had a Nintendo 64 when I was growing up. Uh, I had access to an N64 up at my grandparents' cabin in the mountains. Uh, We kind of left the family N64 up there as like, a we're on vacation so we can play these video games and also so your cousins have access to it. Yeah. It it was interesting, but it was also really fun. Spent a lot of really uh, early mornings uh, sneaking out of my bed to go play Mario 64 and such. But uh, anyway, uh, since I didn't have the N64 myself, I didn't really have the option to add games to the collection (laughs) because you know going up to our cabin was like a two or three or four times a year event so i didn't get to play banjo until much later though i did play banjo quite a bit at some of my friends houses while i was growing up as well uh you know pretty much everybody but me and my friend group had a nintendo 64 or one of the other guys had a sega but uh Anyway, I, I remember being in love with the art style and design of the game. It just always felt so charming and lovely, and I just always wanted to play it. Like It was kind of weird when I finally got my hands on my own copy of the game uh, when I was finally in college and had my own Nintendo 64 because I had my own money. Um, I just kept like thinking back on those old memories, and I'm like, yeah, no, the vibe is still here. And so I had a little bit more of an experienced uh, gamer palette playing banjo by myself for the first time, which was honestly, I don't know. It it was uh, definitely different from being a kid playing through the whole thing. But uh Going from Mario 64 as my first 3D platform to Banjo-Kazooie, I was like, oh, this game is an upgrade in like almost every single way because you get to collect the (laughs) jiggies and stay in the world and whatnot. So, I mean, I I totally get where you're coming from, but at least I don't view Mario 64 as like a downgrade. I just saw that as the first step.
1: (laughs) Well, and to Mario's credit, they finally caught up the banjo with Mario Odyssey, just (laughs) shots fired. It took what, (laughs)
0: 20 years?
1: (laughs) But no, uh, I so I would say Mario's strength is the platforming. Mario is better at being a platformer than Banjo is. The platforming itself is pretty rough in Banjo. The main draw to Banjo is uh, basically the... uh, The dialogue, the witty writing, the adventure, the exploration. It's like I said earlier, more of a point. It's more of a point and click adventure game than a true 3D platformer like Mario is. Right. Where Mario is all about like these really well designed um, kind of linear level structures with most Mario games. Um, there, There are, of course, a bunch where they open things up a bit more. But whereas Banjo is just go out, figure out what uh, Jiggies you can get or find and then just move on if you can't find what you need to the next level.
0: Yeah. And one of the other really strong parts of Banjo is the fact that Banjo and Kazooie's kit of like moves and abilities grows throughout the game. You know, which in a lot of ways, the simplicity of Mario 64 was like, oh, every jump that Mario has, he just does permanently. The only thing that you really unlock in that game beyond the extra worlds and whatnot are the different caps. But the caps are like temporary abilities, whereas with Banjo, every time you get an upgrade, it's like a permanent upgrade to Banjo's kit, which can make like going back to first levels, excuse me, earlier levels after you like are at the end game, basically like. Honestly, really enjoyable because you can beat enemies in different ways and whatnot. So in that way, it, Banjo really is like an evolving adventure where you gain new things, you you get to try out new things and everything like fits together really well in Banjo's kit.
1: Yeah, I will say uh, having an evolving like kit of moves is both good and bad. There's like obviously downsides and upsides to it. Uh, Mario having just your starting kit allows you to master those moves a lot more and so yeah. like mario 64 does have a really good like really good movement options i don't want to like diss down on <laughs> mario 64. Right, it's just right, right. as a kid where i wasn't like really as focused on like the 3d platforming element quite yet um it i banjo just gravitated more towards me at the time
0: right if, most kids i imagine when they play mario 64 for the first time at least for our generation. Mario 64 in the early hours of the game is like exploring outside the castle or exploring inside the castle or exploring bomb on battlefield without doing any of the crazy hard platforming or battling sections. When it comes to Banjo, sure, you get Spiral Mountain as a starting place, but then it also, like, it's such an open world that you can go and play around and have, like, a fun time in the first world while making progress in the game rather than just jumping around with Mario's moves and whatnot outside the castle or something. So... Uh, I think that both games do a phenomenal job of like introducing the player to the different mechanics and whatnot. I mean, banjo has like a whole little kind of side story thing where you can talk to bottles to unlock your very first set of moves, or you can skip it in spiral mountain to, uh, you know, collect all of the honeycomb pieces so you can move on if you want. Um, And Mario just kind of throws you right in and is like, here's a fun little playground where you can climb up trees. You can jump over all sorts of things. You can even learn how to swim right off the bat. And, I, I think that both have done a great job in that regard. Anyway, yeah,
1: both both are stellar games. Um, yes, absolutely. So, but yeah, uh, Banjo <laughs> uh, just I, I I love the openness of it, and at the time, I feel like that was kind of the most like exploratory design space for like three D games because we just left two D gaming with the I guess the PlayStation um and things have been were starting to open up a lot more with the n64 um with games like ocarina of time and now banjo and um yeah. mario 64 was like really er- early on on the n64 uh library and created the engine for banjo and uh zelda to be able to do what they did so right right uh but there was there was of course there was a lot of like open world elements to mario 64 it's just Banjo kind of opened things up a lot more in terms of just pure adventure, go wherever you want aspect.
0: I, I agree with that for sure. Um, yeah and with banjo and mario like you could pick and choose what you wanted to collect i mean banjo you do need to have like certain numbers of things to uh, end up beating the game same with mario mario requires a total of 70 stars in order to beat the game and banjo requires i i don't know how many jiggies you need (laughs) that's not a number that i have memorized because it's (laughs) it's not like the game tells you how many total jiggies you need uh, like mario does but uh Anyway, uh, it just always felt like in Banjo, I could collect maybe, I don't know, 60 of the notes and maybe four or five jiggies and then just call it good on the level. But then like Mario, I could, I don't know. I don't you know where I'm going like with entire
1: this. worlds in Mario.
0: Yeah, exactly. But,
1: which is perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, The level design in Banjo, it's all Banjo Kazooie is part of the collectathon genre, subgenre of 3D platformers. Uh, it's kind of the grandfather of that subgenre where you have other games like the banjo series, is uh, pretty recent. Uh, would you classify hat and time in there?
0: I think I w- so. Um, I think so. Especially if you're considering the collectathon genre as like a subset of 3d platforming right because collectathon or uh, excuse me, hat and time is very much a 3D platformer and has a lot more 3D platforming than most collectathons, but there are definitely a lot of collectibles <laughs> in Hat and Time.
1: Yeah, and then uh, also Donkey Kong sixty four. Um, yes, it kind of became what Rare was known for uh, in their last few years with Nintendo.
0: And we really like the collectathon genre. Like, if yeah. that's not obvious.
1: <laughs> and one of the things that kind of sets Banjo Kazooie off from the rest of the collectathon is the levels in Banjo Kazooie are a lot smaller. most collectathons are i don't know if you noticed that but yeah
0: they are very banjo
1: Tui is enormous compared to banjo kazooie (laughs) ukulele is astronomical in size um donkey kong 64 is huge um and so because of that a lot of people like banjo kazooie the most because like they want to be collecting things they want like this open world but they don't want to get like lost or have like this huge swath of time where they're walking from destination to destination they want it to kind of feel like an amusement park like they're exploring disneyland or something not right. exploring the whole uh world
0: right in banjo the first game i believe there's only one or two instances maybe two where you actually have to leave the level and you cannot collect something unless you take advantage of the furnace fun moves exploit that speedrunners take advantage of. <laughs> uh, you need like an ability uh, where it's like an upgrade to the talent trial where you can get some shoes to run really fast. That's one that you absolutely need in freeze easy peak, but you don't get that ability until one of the later levels. So in that regard, like, yeah, banjo, you, you have to come back, but it's not like running back and forth between levels, like more than, four or five times. <laughs>
1: right. It's the levels are a lot more self-contained also completing an entire level. If you know where everything is, just takes like 10 minutes or so. <laughs> They're really not that large of worlds um, in retrospect, especially compared to like Banjo-Tooie, which is enormous. Um And I like it. I like the simplicity of the level designs for that. And it does feel like an amusement park where basically when you enter a world, you see like five or six uh, main attraction areas to go visit.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a great way to put it. Um, There are definitely gigantic landmarks in every single world. Yeah, and they're not very far
1: apart from each other. It it really does feel like an amusement park. um, Yeah. Whenever you enter a level.
0: And all of those landmarks have the ability where you don't even need a map to know where you are in the level, right? Like, uh, the one that I think has some of the most predominant, uh, visual landmarks is, uh, Gobi's Valley, the desert level. Like you've got the gigantic pyramid, you have the Sphinx, you have like the sand pits, you have the starting oasis. Like all of those are just huge visual indicators of where you are. And I never felt like I was lost in that level at all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There are some levels that are uh, not quite up to speed with the rest of the levels. <laughs> Rusty yeah. Bucket
0: Bay is that was notorious the exact for, what I was about to say. We're <laughs> not being very good. Um, well, and Rusty Bucket Bay is incredibly punishing because you have the um, breath meter, even if you're at the surface of water, which yeah. is obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, man, I was thinking of like the the rotating puzzles like oh that. the rotating
0: puzzles are bad, too. But <laughs> I they, mean, they, like
1: <laughs> they didn't design that with like the physics of Banjo-Kazooie in mind.
0: No, they didn't, especially inside the, uh, the stinking engine room where if you fall, you lose all of your progress in the level, except for the jiggies you caught. <laughs> <Like>.
1: <laughs> well, there was also a bunch of times, I believe, at the N64 version, um, they didn't like manipulate where some of those spinning uh bars would stop at sometimes they would like stop with like a bit of an angle and that would just immediately push you into a slide (laughs) and if i remember right um the 360 version they touched up on that so it does uh it is predictable on like whether or not like stops on a flat side or not that's Um, good and it's a lot more visually like indicative like when it's completely flat because it's flat or it's like a complete like uh triangle or so
0: that makes sense i'm glad they did that because it is really rough in that place when you're playing on the n64 version
1: (laughs) yeah so talking about like the different like versions of banjo so we recently played through banjo kazooie on the nintendo switch online um with the expansion pass because there's a whole bunch of n64 games on there Uh, banjo kazooie thankfully being one of them. Uh, we when the N64 was being rumored for the Nintendo Switch, it was really open ended. Like, will Rareware get games on there? Because I, you can't really represent the N64 properly without Rareware. It's basically yeah. like half the identity of the N64. <laughs>
0: yeah. You've got Banjo. You've got Donkey Kong. You've got uh, GoldenEye. You've got Perfect Dark. I mean, Conker's. So, yeah. Conquers. It, yeah. It's Diddy there are a Racing. lot of good games on there from Rare.
1: Um, and so we did get Banjo. I think that's the only rare game currently on there.
0: Yeah, I think you're right about that. Yes.
1: Um, and there are rumors that we're getting a 007 something soon, but it sounds like it's not going to be the Nintendo switch online. It's going to be like a standalone release.
0: If they're remaking that game, I don't see a need to put the N64 version on only because I know legally 007 is very difficult yeah. <laughs> as a property.
1: <laughs> and they wouldn't put Perfect Dark on there because it's rated M. But,
0: no. <laughs> Same um, with Conker's.
1: I, <laughs> I would love to see Diddy Kong Racing show up.
0: Diddy Kong Especially Racing with, needs to be on there. Yes. Yeah.
1: Because the Nintendo Switch Online Expansion Pass uh, is pretty heavily focused on like online multiplayer, Diddy Kong Racing and Banjo-Tooie are two games I really want to see added to the service. Um, in my opinion, Banjo Tooie's multiplayer is uh, like criminally under like represented or anything. It's just like or yeah, like <laughs> it's one of the best party multiplayer games you can get for the N sixty four.
0: Which is fascinating because that game is so big as an adventure it kind of reminds me of how much fun i had with the metroid prime 2 multiplayer with friends you know oh yeah <laughs> just like hidden gems of multiplayer baked into these gigantic adventures
1: so it would have been it would be a lot of fun to be able to play some banjo 2E multiplayer with some of my friends across the country um online but anyway so we played it on the nintendo switch uh so we'll talk about how that compares with other versions Um, Of course, the other big versions being um, the N64, the original version. And then it was also released in the 360 because Microsoft ended up buying Banjo. And there's also the Rare Replay, but I haven't played Rare Replay. Have you?
0: No. curiosity. (laughs) I'm I'm not really an Xbox person.
1: Yeah. Um, And so the big thing to note is the Xbox 360 did make some quality of life feature updates, but also added a few glitches. Um, So it's kind of like a mixed bag of whether or not it's a better version. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now with the N64 on Nintendo switch, one of the things, uh, the first thing that comes to my mind whenever it's like, Oh, let's play an N64 game on the Nintendo switch is how bad are the controls going to be?
0: Yeah. That's the hardest thing.
1: Nintendo hasn't really fixed this issue yet still, right?
0: Right. Am like, I wrong?
1: Have they th- have they added mappability?
0: No, they haven't, which is the most frustrating part because honestly, I I don't mean to jump into like criticisms right off the bat. <laughs> like I had a good time with the uh, The Nintendo Switch Online version. It's a very fun way to play Banjo, especially if you don't have access to an N64 and you don't have Xbox. Like, play it there. It's actually really good. The problem is, is that so many of Banjo and Kazooie's moves are mapped to the C buttons on the N64 controller. So either you have to use the right stick, or you have to remember which of the buttons are actually mapped to the X, Y, and like ZR button or something. And it drives me nuts because like one of Banjo's moves, one of those uh, C buttons isn't mapped to any of the physical buttons. So (laughs) you have to use the stick anyway. And I'm just like, ugh. I took a little break from the game, like a couple of days. And I could not remember which one was uh, C down so that I could get into Talon Trot fast. And it took, and so I just went back to using the stick for all of Banjo's moves.
1: (laughs) I will say, so I'm pretty used to using like the second joystick for C stick stuff because I've played so much Ocarina of Time and Mature's Mask on the GameCube and it's pretty similar in that regard.
0: Right, right. I have too.
1: Um I will say by pure coincidence they mapped the best button for banjo uh, to the, let me double check with the controller, to the Y button. So the talent trot is the Y button, which is like, if you were to have a run button, that's the perfect spot where you'd want it to be.
0: Yes, I agree. Um, But I kept pushing X for no good reason because I just kept (laughs) forgetting. Yeah.
1: So the only thing they could have done better is if X was mapped to like your um, shooting the egg ability, but it wasn't. Yes,
0: I never found myself touching the X button.
1: So if I had the ability to map, honestly, the only changes I would have made was map um, shooting egg to X and then map R to ZR because I don't like having my two trigger buttons be at different levels.
0: Right, right. I can agree with that for sure. But Um, I don't know why Nintendo hasn't fixed the mapping. It drives (laughs) me crazy because Ocarina of Time is kind of the same way. If you want to play Ocarina of Time on the N64 NSO, you have to use the C stick to get every button.
1: (laughs) Yeah. uh, Whatever. So I think it's playable. I think it's fine. Um, One, one nice feature about the Nintendo switch version over the N64 version is that you can create save States and load save States and all that. And that's nice with banjo Kazooie because in the very first game, they had the bright idea of making it. So you'll lose note progression when you die or leave a level um so making save state so that and being a, i think you can also like reverse time i didn't end up using that feature
0: i actually didn't even use the save state feature when i played really <laughs> yeah i should <laughs> so, have but i also didn't die so it's okay so i'd say <laughs> that's
1: like the one downside to original n64 version because the xbox 360 version one of the quality of life features they made is that you just don't lose the note progression um, so that
0: the notes were actually permanently collected yeah
1: yeah, you permanently collect notes in the in the 360 version of the game.
0: That's so good because they did that in Tui as well. So yeah, that in Rare yeah. definitely was like, whoops, that was yeah, a bad it was
1: call. Kind of a weird design choice because it seemed like they wanted notes to be viewed as a form of like scorekeeping, but like that's not a good metric for like a score. Like it was kind of like an arcadey view of the levels. Yeah. and since like. Obviously, you're moving from 2D game design to 3D game design. You're going to have some of these weird like design choices that slip in. And that's just the one that Banjo got. Um, Right.
0: I mean, the notes are kind of like coins in Mario 64, except Mario 64 always has more than 100 coins. Although (laughs) I think like one of the levels has like 101 coins or something.
1: Yeah. But like the difference is that notes are tied to progression of the game.
0: Exactly. uh, Whereas coins are not. And Mario kept kicking you out of the level every time you collected a star. So if you didn't get 100 coins, but you wanted to get the 100 coin star, you could just go back in. And they were everywhere and easy to collect. But Banjo's like, yeah, no, if you die, you have to collect them all again. And they're always in, like... I don't know. When it comes to Mario 64, the coins are in fairly obvious spots. Uh, you can kill enemies to get a couple of them, but the notes in Banjo-Kazooie are usually placed like on the way to Jiggies or other things which are permanent. So if you've collected the Jiggies and you die, you lose all those notes, but you still have to go back to the areas where you've collected all of the Jiggies and whatnot. So
1: yeah, so then, then you' like, weird. Yeah, I, I don't like it because like you said, uh, then you lose that kind of like that trail of where to find the next jiggy or whatever. Yeah. Um, because the trail's back again, like (laughs) (laughs) someone returned your bread crumbs. Um, even if you've collected all 100 notes as well. So
0: yeah, exactly.
1: That is, has always been one of my major gripes of banjo that and rusty bucket Bay. Um,
0: (laughs) I love the song in rusty bucket Bay. I think it's like a good jam, but the level design is just, I hate it.
1: And on top of that, so, like, I've been playing a lot of Dark Souls lately, and if you've played Dark Souls, you know, like, the Snake Fortress is, it also has, like, these spinning, like, traps like Rusty Bucket Bay, and they're just as bad as Rusty Bucket Bay. So, every time I'm playing through that dungeon in Dark Souls, I'm always listening to the Rusty Bucket Bay music, because at least, at least then I can have a little bit of fun.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Anyway, um... I did have a question, Jordan. Did you notice any, like, input lag or anything on the NSO? Because I didn't. Nope. It felt Uh, really good, which was weird. (laughs) Has there been a
1: lag reported?
0: There's been lag for Ocarina of Time. So I just wanted to know if there was, like, any experience for you with Banjo. Because I do feel the lag in Ocarina of Time, but I don't in Banjo. Okay. Though I think that a recent patch somewhat fixed the Ocarina of Time lag. But anyway, um, I also... Uh, remember when Banjo came out on NSO, I actually pulled up one of my favorite speedrunners that I've been following for years for Banjo Kazooie. And he was playing through it on the NSO, and he's like, This game feels almost exactly like the N64 game, just with weird control <laughs> mappings. So that's a really good sign for people that are interested in playing the game. Yeah. If speedrunners are like, This feels almost lagless, then you know that the average person is definitely not going to feel anything. <laughs> um, So anyway, um, the controls also felt fine on NSO, but man, playing through Banjo again, myself, like Banjo feels so slippery sometimes, and it's really hard (laughs) to position him when you want to do precise jumps after you stop.
1: Yeah. So like the platforming aspect of Banjo is not the best. Um, but the whole game is designed around that in mind. So it's not that big of a deal.
0: Right. The, a lot of the platforms are very big and it's very forgiving but they're like even in um, uh, Treasure Cove uh, Treasure Trove Cove, that's so hard to say fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> in TTC, uh, uh, when you have to like do the uh, backflip jump into the chests um, that are have all the spikes, like trying to get Banjo lined up for one of those jumps in the right place was so hard for me for some reason the first couple of times. I kept getting too close or too far away
1: you have to have a little bit of a gap between you and the treasure box.
0: Right. But Banjo Um, is like slippery enough that it was hard to get him into the place I wanted him to be in, but eh, it's okay. Again, this was rare's first real foray into 3d games. So there are those hiccups, but again, the game is really designed around a lot of that. So I I think it's pretty forgiving except for rusty bucket Bay in the engine room.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Rusty bucket. Bay. Oh man. (laughs) Uh, oh, that level! And then uh, they also had like, oh man, the 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 worst part about Rusty Bucket Bay is after you've done all this like platforming through the awful spinning uh, traps and all that, and you finally get out. Then you have like this time puzzle where you have to like swim through the oil fields and get to the other side of the boat and get one hundred percent presenting the game. That that is like the worst part.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's so hard. And even some speedrunners have struggled with it in the past. There are definitely routes now that make it way better. But I remember years ago, like Rusty Bucket Bay was often a run ender, not just for the engine room, but for like drowning because they mistimed time something. So don't feel too bad <laughs> uh, if you're playing it for the first time and struggle. Um, also, this is never explained in game but you can control banjo better while swimming, while holding down the R button.
1: Wait, really? I yes. have never known that.
0: You've never known that. <laughs> That's what I get for watching speed runs of it, baby. <laughs> They're like, this is never explained in game, but for some reason, banjo doesn't make as sharp of turns and is way smoother. If you hold down the R button while you're swimming, at least in the underwater portions.
1: I've had a lot of people or friends complain about the water level parts. Uh, my roommate, I tried to get to play the game and he quit because on uh clinker's cavern specifically because of swimming which honestly i don't think swimming's that bad i think people uh complain a bit too much about it yeah <laughs> i i agree i with don't know that. if that's just me being used to it at this point <laughs> but you just you press b when you're going fast in a straight line and a for like uh more precise controls
0: yeah exactly
1: you just have to alternate but everyone seems to just be like no i gotta go fast all the time and hold b and just go and it's just all right you're going to have some hard turns there but
0: stop thinking like a (laughs) speedrunner. You you can use the other buttons it's fine if it's your first playthrough um but anyway um Beyond that, from the control standpoint, I think Banjo is just like a really fantastically made game. It's so fun. The atmosphere is so charming. Um, The music is one of the highlights of the game for me, like every single time. I can't help but hum along in like every level. (laughs) Um, Do you have a favorite song from the game, Jordan?
1: Uh, Rusty Bucket Bay. Yeah, (laughs) Rusty (laughs) Bucket Bay. It's so good. (laughs) Uh, Spiral Mountain is also really high up there.
0: Sparrow so Mountain's also really good. I mean, I have a hard time when it comes to just saying something's a favorite. Um, I love most. I love every song in this game a lot, um, but I guess one that kind of edges out over the rest is uh, "Click Clock Woods." I yeah. just I love that jam, especially when it goes into like the B section where it's like beep bump bump ba dump but don't be don't beep don't be don't be don't but don't like I, I love the syncopation sing- there. <laughs> and coming from a, a drumline background, it just it gets me grooving every time.
1: Well, and also it changes depending on what season is. Like Clock right. Clicklock Woods was a really incha- er, fun idea for a level. Uh, Yeah, where basically you do an interaction in like one season and it like changes the map in the other season and you kind of just see kind of like this uh, story progression of different actions that you take and how how it affects the rest of the world.
0: Yeah, it's really well done. Um, That's probably my favorite level in general to play through, except when you fall off. Of the top of the tree. <laughs> then it's the worst level in the game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you do get a bit old climbing that tree over and over again.
0: Yes, especially if you fall and lose all of your uh, note progress. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, geez, my favorite level, though might be either Monster Mansion or Gobi Desert.
0: Oh, those are both so good, too. I think Mad Monster Mansion is probably the best themed level in the game. Like, it's just everything feels like the spooky mansion, right? Especially with the cathedral um, or the the chapel, I guess. Um, And then Gobi's Valley is just good, too.
1: That's also the the area where there's the potted plant that says crass words.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I promise it's not saying uh, the F word. I promise. <laughs> like, <laughs> I remember that in an interview and everyone's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> you at least definitely edited it and cut it. So it sounded like it. If you didn't <laughs> like, come on. Did-
1: so he went on an interview lately that said, uh, it's not true, right? The F
0: yeah. It's supposed to, to be. Thank F- you. you. <laughs> okay.
1: And this was Garnt or not Garnt, uh, Grant, right? Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. Uh, what the heck man? Cause he <laughs> literally went on game grumps and was the one that like spread that, that rumor <laughs> in the first place. So he said it both ways now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny though. Uh, but, oh, I, I love the level design in these games. They're just... They're so fun, honestly. I, I don't think there's ever, like, a dull moment in Banjo, except for Rusty Bucket Bay, which is stressful.
1: <laughs> well, the best part about, like, Banjo is that you don't have to play it. You can skip the level. <laughs>
0: yeah. If, if you're tired of it and you're not going for 100%, just go on to the next place as long as you have enough notes. It's all good. Well, enough notes and jiggies. But honestly, if you, like get All the jiggies in like the first three levels, then you kind of have a good enough buffer where just getting like three or four jiggies from the next few levels is plenty. (laughs) Yeah, that is so good. Um, I guess I also really enjoy uh the theming of uh Freeze Easy Peak. I kind of want to put that out there. I think we didn't really talk about that. Also, Bubba Goomb uh, Swamp is also good. Oh man,
1: most levels are really good. Yeah, in In fact, I would say all of them are except for Rusty Bucket Bay. Yeah, I, I agree with that there are there 10 or nine levels i believe there's nine
0: I, yeah because i think there's a total of 100 jiggies and 10 of them are Lair jiggies
1: yeah so there's nine levels so eight out of nine that's that's pretty good track
0: record i agree yeah um it looks like we've got spiral mountain grid tilda's lair those are both like the overworldly areas we've got mumbo's mountain treasure trove cove clinker's cavern bubble goop swamp freeze peak goby's valley mad monster mansion Rucky Buck- rusty bucket bay and click clock wood
1: yes we kind of covered all of them
0: yeah they're all pretty good uh one other part of the game that uh i guess <laughs> is worth mentioning is how unique the furnace fun game is <laughs> as like your final <laughs> test of the game
1: <laughs> i thought that was the most brilliant thing ever when i was a kid i i I was laughing so hard. But <laughs> <laughs> I know that there are some people who really despise that part of the game.
0: It's it's rough. I mean, I I can totally understand that. I mean, I remember the first time I played through it, I definitely failed like 4 or 5 times. And It's hard. It it is really rough. Uh remembering The names of different characters that you found before, recognizing the voices of characters, remembering the names of the levels based on pictures that it shows you, the challenges that it gives you, like to fight the bosses slash mini bosses inside all of the levels again, and then of course like the hardest part, which is the grunty questions, which you have to go talk to her sister, uh, (laughs) scattered throughout the lair to get the right answers for.
1: Yeah, that part is a bit mean i understand where they were coming from and it's nice they, they basically wanted to force you to have to talk to her sister every playthrough right so they randomize it i think it would have been a bit better if it, they were static answers right and you just yeah you you learn about grunty as a character effectively that way whereas this way it's like i don't honestly i don't even talk to her anymore i just go and guess <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, one thing that a lot of people do is they talk to her once and they're like, there's like a tool online where you can enter in the three answers that she gives you the first time and it'll, it'll figure out what the rest of them are for you. So that way you don't have to guess and potentially lose your life if you fail. So, but yeah, uh, yeah no, I, I, I think it was a really fun idea, but it definitely would be cooler to get more information about Grunty as a character rather than like her favorite type of sock is, this or she loves to eat this weird thing. It's like okay <laughs> like you
1: could have gone up to her and then she like says like a backstory like snippet of Gruntier or something and then in that you're supposed to like parse out what the what the answers to questions would be where it'd be like maybe two or three paragraphs or something
0: um, I think it'd be good it would add a lot more depth to the game though I mean Banjo isn't known for having super heavy <laughs> lore so yeah <laughs> I, though I guess with uh, Banjo-Tooie, they do expand on a lot of things in, like, the game's lore, I guess. Grunty is a way more involved character in the plot. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Banjo-Tooie definitely tries to expand a lot more and is a lot more, I don't know, story-focused. There's a lot more story to Banjo-Tooie than there is with Banjo-Kazooie, where Banjo-Kazooie is just like, an evil witch kidnaps your sister for an evil
0: spell. Woo, will you go stop her? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's it. But Tui is—it's much more involved. Like we get character deaths in Tui. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but anyway, and then the final Grunty fight is honestly, I think, a pretty good final boss fight, especially for like the N64. Uh, yeah,
1: there is a bit of a difficulty spike with the fight, though.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's hard. <laughs> But it ends in one of the best ways possible. Like if you've played Smash Brothers, you've seen the final attack. <laughs> if you've seen Banjo's final Smash, that's basically how you beat Grunty yeah, in the very the end.
1: Jin-jonator.
0: Jinjo. <laughs> the Jinjos are funny too, because then they get a huge like increase in usage in Banjo Tooie. Like <laughs> there's a whole village and different types of Jinjos and they can all actually talk. But anyway, we're not here to really talk about Tooie. Um I'm trying to think, Jordan, is there anything else that we missed about the base game? We talked about how it works on NSO, um, a lot of our experiences. I'm just trying to think if there's anything else we want to say about it in general.
1: Well, what would you rate it? Um, So a rating for Banjo in general and a rating for it, the Nintendo Switch experience.
0: Okay, so if I were to review this game, um, comparing it only to the games that it was competing with, I'd give it like probably a 9.5 out of 10. Um, so like if my only game experience was like Mario 64 and Banjo for the 3d platforming genre, like it's amazing. And I think it's a 9.5 out of 10 comparing it to like games of today's standards, you know, it probably gets knocked down to an eight, eight and a half, if only because of the like kind of wonkiness from the controls, but like everything that's charming about the game definitely brings it up in my mind. Um, so you can kind of take from that what you will, like maybe nowadays I'd give it that 8.5 out of 10, just because it's starting to show its age, but it's still a fantastic game. And I don't want people to think that I don't like it, uh, when it comes to NSO, um, I think it's the best N64 game on the NSO right now um from a control standpoint from a lagless standpoint from even a visual standpoint i think it looks really good on the switch for some reason so i mean i probably give it like i don't know that 8.5 might be raised up to an i don't know maybe a nine just in comparison to the n64 but i don't know it's hard it's hard for me to rate such an older game
1: (laughs) yeah i will say um So when I was a kid, like Banjo Kazooie was one of my favorite games of all time. It was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Back on the N64 era, I definitely would have given it a ten. Yeah, yeah. Um, With this recent playthrough, I I am noticing its age a lot more. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not as nostalgia blind as I used to be back (laughs) in the day. I would I would say like an eight's fine. Um, You do have to give it a bit of leeway because of its age, right? Um, Right. Do have to be like, well, it like at the time, like a lot of the stuff that it's having issues with everyone was having issues with. So, um, I think an eight is fine. Uh, it, I could definitely see some people not gravitating as much to it though. Now. And 64 is really rough with like trying to like get new people to go back and play. Uh, I would say as far as retro consoles go, Um, super NES is probably the easiest to get people to go back and play. And then, uh, basically the older you get is difficult. The N64 obviously is newer than the SNES, but SNES being 16 bit, like there's a lot of games now that are just like imitating SNES and it's. Um, enjoyable. Like it's base, it's not even just nostalgic. It's just there's a certain style to it. And that kind of is lost with the N64, where it's a lot harder to be nostalgic for what was like the N64 visual look um, and controls. The N64 was very revolutionary. It's, but the cost of being revolutionary is it's kind of aging.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> it's hard to go back to.
0: I guess you could say we should be somewhat grateful that the N64 library isn't as big as other Nintendo console libraries are, I guess. Um, I, I don't know if it's 100% true, but I always felt like the N64 first party library was honestly smaller than like the GameCube or even the SNES. Yeah.
1: So. Well, it's so hard to make a game for the N64.
0: Yeah, yeah and the transition to 3d meant that a lot of nintendo's properties wouldn't get a 3d game until the gamecube so i mean you've got metroid for example um we had earthbound you know that was supposed to come out on the n64 but that development (laughs) was so bonkers that they scrapped the n64 version and started basically from scratch for the game boy advance because it was so hard to make it work so yeah i i totally agree with you going back to the n64 is definitely something hard to get people to do if they never played n64 games before and don't have the affinity for it which yeah. is honestly why i think that a lot of the n64 games could really benefit from like a real remake um you know ocarina of time 3d is probably my favorite way to play ocarina of time but i wish it wasn't on my 3ds <laughs> same with like majora's that really mask really
1: needs to be ported over. I okay so with majora's mask i still prefer the original over well the i remake. prefer the
0: original majora's mask because the changes that they made on the 3ds i do not yeah. agree with <laughs> but <laughs> anyway
1: um and like one of the nice things about the 360 version of banjo is that they increase the draw distance for items with a collectathon. that's massive right like yes being able to see notes from very far away uh definitely helps a lot um and i am a little disappointed that they weren't able to do something similar with the nso like the nso is it this is just the n64 version um
0: <laughs> it's literally like they ripped the rom from the cartridge and just yeah played it on the emulator <laughs> there, there are yeah. no improvements at all
1: <laughs> aside from like the safe state stuff that you didn't even use
0: right and the like i guess the internal resolution is higher it's not trying to render the game at f- what yeah. and 480? the frame rate feels more stable too yeah yeah i agree with that
1: um how banjo compares to like more recent collectathons? hat and time's really good um yes it is <laughs> <laughs> i i think hat and time is a more enjoyable experience now than the original banjos i think we can safely say that
0: i i think that's very fair to say
1: um <laughs> and then of course odyssey's odyssey it's the the latest like god given gift so <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean odyssey is one of nintendo's best games in the last 10 years period like <laughs>
1: like no, nothing can compare it to odyssey and if odyssey is considered a, a collectathon now which of course it is um it's the best collectathon ever made um, <laughs> yep bowser's fury is another recent collectathon um and it's not quite as good as odyssey but it's still a solid experience so we're 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 getting some really really strong collectathons again uh, during 2017, it was crazy because we got Ukulele, uh, Hat in Time, and Odyssey all in the same year, and so it was like, "Oh, is this the return of collectathons?" And no, we have the only one we've gotten since then was Bowser's Fury.
0: <laughs> well, at least from a big studio, I imagine there are some yeah. indie studios that have done stuff, but
1: oh uh, yeah. So collect-a-thons, um when we get them, they're really good. Uh, ukulele is more of the spiritual successor. It's made by x rare employees. Um and I personally really like ukulele, but I seem to be in the minority of
0: that. Yeah.
1: And I think the large part of that is because ukulele is a it's a spiritual successor to a fault with banjo. Um not only is it not like as robust in its like platforming mechanics as Mario and Hat in Time are, but also it followed the same like trajectory that the Banjo games were going to the point where like a lot of people were kind of iffy with the direction that Rareware was going at the time where every world was getting bigger and bigger. Donkey Kong, let's be real. Donkey Kong 64 is Banjo 3.
0: It is and, and it is too big.
1: It is too big. Yeah. So, like, Banjo Tui is bigger than Banjo Kazooie. Banjo or Donkey Kong 64 is bigger than Banjo Tui. And now, Ukulele is even bigger than Donkey Kong 64. And so, you could get lost and you lose that, like, theme park attraction feel to the level design.
0: Yes. Um, Especially with Ukulele being able to, like, expand the levels. Like it starts off pretty small and is kind of nice. Like I was like, Oh yeah, I kind of like how small things are here. And then it's like, no, but there's a lot more collectibles that are locked behind you needing to expand the world. And I was like, Oh, okay. And that's kind of where the game lost me is it was too big. I, I mean, I agree with you. I think it's better than people give it credit for, but that, that was my disconnect. So,
1: yeah. So I would love to see another ukulele. Um, but, or I, I would, I would, die for a hat in time too. Nyakuza metro is one of the best 3d platforming experiences i've ever seen <laughs> um but aside from like one of those and of course mario eventually coming out of his slumber again um there are rumors that we might see more banjo soon so yeah <laughs> there, there's always rumors people this is a really popular rumor topic mostly because there's a lot of people who really want to see banjo return um, and It's really iffy on how banjo would do because it's not as like platforms focused as Mario or Hat in time. And if you are to do it, ukulele um, was kind of not a great sign for how well a do banjo would be.
0: Right. The pure collective fun.
1: <laughs> yeah. So if you do a banjo three, please, please, please focus on small amusement park style levels and worlds and focus heavily on the the dialogue cuz it's going to be hard to get banjo to have th- the platforming aspect be a major draw for it so you need to focus more on the strengths of the series and not try to be that you're not what you're not
0: right don't try to breath of the wild eyes yeah. the game <laughs> you know so many games are like trying to make huge open worlds on all of their IPs where it works sometimes, but it feels like if you really refined the playstyle and genre and world type that you're known for, you'd have an amazing amazing experience. You know, that's one of the reasons why I'm kind of skeptical of Sonic Frontiers is <laughs> you take Sonic and make it this big open world. <laughs> um I don't think Banjo would do very well in an open world like that at all.
1: Well, um, it is open world. It's just that you don't want it to be like these massive sprawling worlds. Well, right? yeah, that, that's like, what I mean. Yeah, people people seem to get really tired out of collectathons when you don't have. So a lot of people say like when the world's too big, but I don't think it's that the world's too big is the problem because Mario Odyssey has some massive worlds. It's that if the scale of the world outstrips your movement options, I think is the issue.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point.
1: Um, so we're getting a bunch of rumors right now because like uh, Phil Spencer got an achievement recently for Banjo-Kazooie with like Jiggy Got or something. Um, <laughs> and so people are, think that he's doing one of his clues in plain sight, which he's done before. Like he's literally put an Xbox Series X on his shelf in a background of videos and laughed when people didn't catch it. <laughs> um, so you have to like keep be on your toes with Phil. Um We've also heard like in the past, like two or so years ago, that um, Double Fine might be doing something banjo-related, but um, Double Fine has come out and said that they're not doing a new banjo, but people are still clinging on to maybe they're just lying. Um, And then on top of that, Modern Vintage Gamer um, has recently said that he's heard that there's a banjo project in the works at the moment. Uh, He doesn't know if it's like a Banjo 3 or a Banjo remake. I think, honestly, it's better to go with a remake just to kind of see how Banjo would work in like modern times than it is to go for a Banjo 3.
0: Right, I totally agree with that. We've talked about this before when it comes to like the Metroid Prime series, where we're really excited for Prime 4 and we think it's going to be amazing. But the team at Retro Studios has... Been so far removed from the game that we are really hoping that Metroid Prime is getting a remake. And it works really well for a game like Banjo to do that exact same thing. If they make a remake, they can learn what made the level design so good. They can focus in on all of these things and use a character that has an enormous history in the minds of, you know, like the gaming community, especially among Nintendo fans. Like, I don't know if you remember, Jordan, how many different videos of different live streamers and even people gathered in um, like physical locations watching the Nintendo Direct where they announced Banjo <laughs> and Smash Brothers. Like, I think that Banjo still has an online presence and oh, yeah. would do incredibly well. But I do think they need to start with a remake of Banjo 1-E, <laughs> banjo well, Kazooie. yeah.
1: If you do something banjo, you have to hit it out of the park. Like, it has to hit the ground running. I don't think we can have another Nuts and Bolts situation.
0: And Nuts and Bolts um, was in 2008, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: so long ago. Um, Man, it felt so bad when Microsoft bought Rareware and then sat on everything until Nuts and Bolts. That's what we ended up getting. That oh, I just,
0: know. Uh, and then there was, of course, like, I mean, I don't know how much of a fight it was, but and I'm sure a lot of Nintendo fans were like, Nintendo definitely fought uh, Microsoft for all of the rights for the Donkey Kong stuff that Rare made because it took so long for Donkey Kong to get a lot of its characters that Rare developed back. I mean, we still haven't seen K. Rule in a (laughs) Donkey Kong game since. Um,
1: I don't know how much I buy that because K. Rule's in Sluggers. I think it was just that the teams that were making Donkey Kong games just, wanted to do their own thing. I agree view, with that. They yeah. viewed the country games as rare's thing and they want to do their own thing. And I don't think they understood just how much people really like K Rule. Probably until uh K Rule showed up in Smash Bros honestly.
0: <laughs> yeah, and they're like wait a minute. People like this? And it's so funny because Banjo's reveal for Smash Brothers literally followed the same format as K Rule's reveal because it's like yeah, these are both rare <laughs> characters making their comeback, which is so cool uh it was so good those two trailers were so hype for smash brothers
1: man smash ultimate had some really big character reveals for sure i i'm still in kind of in disbelief that we got banjo for on real smash brothers <laughs> that that felt like a long shot character and he definitely made it in because of the ballot like
0: <laughs> oh yeah didn't sakurai That's- say that he was on the ballot or something I, i'm sure
1: i'm sure there was a big push for banjo on the ballot um because people asked phil like can banjo possibly make it into smash and he said i'd love to see banjo and smash and everyone lost their minds and so um i think most of the roster of at least the base roster and probably the first wave of dlc minus joker uh were characters from the the ballot
0: plus sora we know that sora was number one on the yeah. ballot
1: yeah um, and the only reason why Joker I, I excluded Joker is because he didn't exist by by the time the ballot came around.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Joker basically made it in because the Persona series is like Sakurai's favorite non-Nintendo series. <laughs> so
1: I guess on that list, uh Incineroar and Isabelle, I don't think would have been too high on the ballot. Incineroar just straight up wouldn't exist, but
0: Yeah, but those were like safe bets, you know. Incineroar, a new Pokemon from one of the more recent generations, and he's a fighter. And Isabelle, we need one more representation from Animal Crossing. So it works, but they weren't ballot characters for sure. <coughs> anyway, somehow we transformed our discussion on just Banjo into Smash Brothers, <laughs> but that just goes to show you how important Banjo is, I think. Like seeing him come back in Smash Brothers, probably, and And the reaction (laughs) that fans gave Banjo returning and showing up in Smash Brothers might be one of the reasons why these rumors about a Banjo remake or new project really feel real this time, especially from all of these sources.
1: I I could see after like Microsoft saw the reactions for Banjo, like before before releasing or giving him to Nintendo for Smash Brothers, they probably just thought, oh, this would be like a fun thing for the fans, like it's just fans just want some fanfare and then they just saw just like how much fans like lost it that we actually got banjo they're like oh we might have been sitting on this potential gold mine for quite some time (laughs) for way too
0: (laughs) long it's like the only reason that we weren't happy with nuts and bolts isn't because it was a banjo game (laughs) like nuts and bolts just wasn't that great of a game to begin with (laughs) in my opinion anyway
1: and i think nuts and bolts really soured microsoft's like view of banjo for sure Um, and i wouldn't be surprised if banjo didn't do too well on the arcade for the 360 um just because the people who really want to play banjo are on the nintendo system yep absolutely and so if they make a banjo game I know there's going to be some pushback within Microsoft, but they really need to make it multi-plat. I feel like they need it to be on the Switch, Xbox and PC.
0: They absolutely do. And I don't think there's anything that can stop them from publishing it on the Switch as long as they pay Nintendo the royalties for publishing or whatever.
1: And they've they've done it. It's just that um, while everyone keeps talking about, oh, Microsoft has been releasing all these projects on the Switch, most of them I don't think were like internal Microsoft games right they were mostly studios that microsoft purchased that were already doing projects for nintendo and so then they uh released or they they kept to their contract right they they finished the project
0: yeah i think that's right
1: except for ori i think ori is the big one uh where it just ori and minecraft so i guess if ori and minecraft are there then yeah like why not bring banjo over it just makes sense like from a marketing standpoint for banjo to be on the switch
0: right. I mean- He's on smash brothers. So clearly all of the people that were super hyped about banjo being in smash have a switch. <laughs> There's no guarantee I, that they have an Xbox or a PC that they can play the game on. And
1: even though I'm like saying, Oh, uh, Microsoft makes sure to put it on switch. I personally would be playing it on windows. So it's not like I'm, I'm like doing a beg for it to be on my preferred platform or anything. It's I'm still playing on a Microsoft platform. It's just, it it makes sense. like, banjo's main base is on nintendo
0: absolutely absolutely it'd be hard for me to pick which one it would go on which which one i would play on because i do have a pc and i have a switch well
1: it would be on game pass is the thing right so true <laughs> it's hard to like not choose game pass whenever it's an option
0: right because if you're already paying for game pass you might as well play it there anyway Though, I guess if the banjo rumor is true, I would rather wait for the Switch 2 so that it looks better and runs better. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And on that side, like it would be uh, portable for on the Switch. So that would be a draw for a lot of people. For to sure. Play on the Switch.
0: For um, sure.
1: And like I've been saying, I have a Steam Deck and I love playing games portably on that. Uh, you can't really play uh, Game Pass games very effectively yet. On the Steam Deck, so I'd still probably play it on Switch over that. You yeah. can do it. It's just, it's not a great
0: experience. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> well, anyway, Banjo is a great game. And if you have never played it before and you're interested, you should definitely give it a shot.
1: Of the N64 games, I think it is one of the like go-to must-play games. I still think Star Fox 64 is the N64 game that has like aged the best.
0: Yes, I, I do agree with that.
1: Um, and it had the advantage of being a rail shooter, so it, it, uh, didn't have as many opportunities to age up as much as other games. Um, right. But I, I would say Banjo Kazooie is definitely in the, like the top 10, uh, best N64 games to go play if you're curious about that platform.
0: I agree. I totally agree with that. Oh man. I just love Banjo. Sorry. I just have like some of the Banjo soundtrack stuck in my head now. <laughs> I love Click Clock The music What's, is so
1: good in banjo. Uh,
0: it's so good. <laughs>
1: yeah, Grant, uh Compt did a really good job. And that, that was kind of the game where he kind of like kicked off um, stardom.
0: Yeah, because he didn't write the music for the Donkey Kong Country games.
1: Yeah, like, that was David Weiss. Banjo
0: was like really his, his uh, foray into video game music. And he did such an amazing job that, you know, everyone just loves him. And he's doing Mario and Rabbit stuff. So go play that game, I guess, if you want to get another feel for his music. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he also did a track for Hatton Time.
0: Oh, did he? That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't know that. I think
1: he did the hub theme for the spaceship.
0: That's really cool. That's so cool. Anyway, I don't know if there's anything else to say about Banjo. We've given our reviews. We're hoping that they'll give us a remake. I mean, we'd be happy with a 3E, but the remake seems like the better choice. And you should definitely go play it on NSO, especially if you have the expansion pass. It's just sitting there for you. Anything else you wanted to bring up, Jordan?
1: No, I think we covered it.
0: Cool, cool, cool. Well, thanks for listening to us ramble on about Banjo-Kazooie for about an hour. It's uh, kind of fun. I don't think we've talked about Banjo that long in a very long time. But uh, if you enjoyed listening to this episode of the podcast, please consider leaving us a review on the podcast app that you're using or leave us a comment and a like on YouTube. Doing those kinds of things tells the algorithm that people like our show and it will start recommending it to others. So it helps us out a ton. You can also come talk about Banjo with us on our Discord server. Uh, head to nintendfusioncom discord or click on the link in the episode notes or description. With all that said, thanks again for listening to this episode of the Nintendo Fusion podcast and we'll catch you on the next one. Goodbye. See ya.